You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, and this is a special bonus series called The Comedy Chronicles. My name is Holly Shaw, and I always wanted to try stand-up comedy, and so I finally did. Come with me on my journey into the world of open mics and dirty jokes from the perspective of a performance coach and also just an everyday woman looking for an outlet to mouth off and speak her mind. Wow. Well, this week was really insane. This week, I feel like everything got bumped up a notch energetically. For one thing, I had my first paid stand-up gig ever this week, which was exciting and fun and nauseating and then turned out to be sort of the least dramatic thing that happened to me this week. Um, I got my prop stolen away from me on another performance by the host and I that same performance I got simultaneously booed and cheered. So that was really interesting, insane thing that I'm still kind of grappling with. I'm still um, trying to sort out what happened with that. And then, uh, and then I also just had a really great time at an open mic this week, improvising a little, learning to stay more present with the room. So I'm going to be talking about the things that I never want to talk about, but now I have to talk about on stage, like race and what makes different audiences comfortable or uncomfortable. I'm going to be talking about the atmospheric soup and why hosts are so important. The host is really important and sets a tone in this episode at the Comedy Chronicles. Let me just first start off by saying that the host is everything, right? The host of a show is like the ringmaster. He sets the tone. He or she or they, they set the tone. They usher you in. They introduce people. They position people. They decide how everything's going to go. It's really up to the host to sort of set the whole tone for everything and to keep it going. They create the palate cleanser between comedians and between acts, and they also just usher everybody along through the whole night. And that is why I say that for two reasons. One, I have a hosting gig coming up, and I'm quite looking forward to it because, you know what? I love people, and I pay attention to people, and I am excited because I know I do a really good job at hosting. I love positioning people and making the crowd excited. And I love sort of the whole, you know, back and forth and having those little bits of time freestyling with the audience. I love it. And Monday night, I went to a show and the host single-handedly changed the tone of my set after I uttered the first sentence of my set. So it's important. Yeah. So Monday night I did a show. It was at um, the New Parkway Theater. And, you know, the host I thought was great. Lots of energy. This was a mixed mic. Um, There was spoken word poetry. There was music. Um, So, you know, the energy there was really great. It's a nice big room. And what I loved about this open mic was it wasn't just people performing. You could tell there was people that just came out to see a show. Um, and so that was kind of what made it, you know, sort of a fun, a fun atmosphere. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm on like eighth on the lineup, right? My friend 
had invited me, told me about it and said, come out for the open mic part. All right, I'll do it. I get there. Right. And I'm having fun. I'm enjoying everything. I do notice that I am me and my friend are basically the only two white people there. And I I know this because it was pointed out to me by the host. Um, You know, there was a joke. One of the comedians made a joke about, like, where's the white people tonight? Because it was it's Oakland. You know, you you do see more black people than white people. And the host himself pointed to me and my friend and was like, those two right there, those are the white people. Okay, okay, you know, we we roll with it. Like, it's funny. We're totally happy to be the butt of that joke anytime, any day. So we're going throughout the night. So it does make you feel a little bit like, okay, we all know it's true. You don't have to point it out. Um, you know, I we're enjoying ourselves or whatever. I get called up and he says, Holly Shaw, and he's looking for me. And I stand up and he goes, I knew it was you. All right. So, all right. Another joke about me being white. Ha, ha, ha. So I get up and I had this whole set planned out with this teacup and the saucer. Haha, I remembered what that was called. So I had the teacup and the saucer and I had passed it to one of the a couple of the girls in the front row that had a table right by the stage, right? So I had set that prop up long before I got up there so that nobody would know that that was my prop and that I was going to use it. So I get up and at first I made a little opening joke about, you know, um, wow, there's so much talent here tonight. So great to be here. Um, you know, and here I am just going to tell you some dick jokes. Ha 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 ha. Everybody thinks that's really funny. Um, yeah. And so then we get into it and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my jokes about being a hypnotherapist, which I have many. They're not all about the movie Get Out, okay? So all I say, this is literally all I say is, so by day, I'm a hypnotherapist. In that moment, the host shot out shot out of his chair at the side of the stage and was like, get out! Like he's rallying everybody to leave and he starts running for the door. And then, I don't even know if it was him or somebody else. It was like, I was just in the thrown in this chaotic situation. Then he comes running on the stage and grabs my teapot and the saucer and he takes off with it. Single-handedly within like 15 seconds, ruining half of my set and half of my jokes. So what do you do, right? I'm just standing there like, holy shit. And so I say, wow, wow, you just, you just took half my jokes, man. And everybody's laughing and and but some people I can feel like there's this other thing in the air, like 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 a, a hostility, you know, like a hostility at me before I'd even made a joke about it. And so I just was like, wow, okay. Um they didn't know where I was going with it, right? They don't they don't know me. They don't trust me yet either. And my whole plan was to tell some jokes and say some things that would help them get to know me, trust me, and feel comfortable with the a little bit more charged joke about Get Out once I got there, right? I know I got to warm them up to it, but, you know, they had no time to get warmed up to it because my host, without realizing it, had kind of spilled the beans, had kind of spoiled the the thing, as it were. So I go on to make my jokes, and the fun thing was... 
is that I just kind of went with it. I just kind of rolled with it, right? When I got to the get out jokes, it was more like, oh, so I take it you guys might have seen this movie. And and it was fine. You know, it, in fact, I would say it was even better than fine. Some comedians came up to me afterwards and congratulated me. They said I did a great set. Um, there was a lot of aliveness in the room, I can tell you. There was a lot of uh, people were right there with me. Um, even though there was a lot of chaos, um, I felt heard. I felt like people were listening, people were laughing, people were having a good time. I felt some command of the room, although I have to say, you know, having your host stand up and run out like that, you kind of lose you kind of lose some some authority when your host does that to you. So suffice to say, by the by the time I got to the end of my four minutes, four minutes, mind you, four minutes, um, I felt like this weird energy in the room, like half the people loved me and half the people like hated me. Like I felt this sort of, you know, strong energy. And what was interesting was I, I enjoyed it. Isn't that weird? <laughs> like, like I... It felt good. It felt exciting. It didn't, I wasn't, I didn't need everybody to like me. I just knew, knew that I had been effective. And that was a really powerful feeling. So anyway, so then I got off stage and my friend was actually like, oh, wow, I was actually a little worried for you. You know, some people were really um, not digging what I was putting down. Um and I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Well, the whole night I tossed and turned, right? And then I woke up in the morning and I wrote a Facebook post about it. Um, you can go to my Facebook page and check that out. It's I'm always a much more articulate writer than I am speaker. But just suffice to say that um, in short, in summary of that post, I'm trying to explain the feelings that I feel standing in front of a 98% black audience as a white woman. Because, you know, I've been in, in Oakland for 18 years now. I've been here a long time, and I am very much used to being sometimes the only white person in a, in a bar, in a restaurant, at an event, at a social gathering. It's not that unusual, and I feel totally comfortable with that. I don't feel comfortable as much when you put a microphone in my hand. And I realized it's because I feel like people of color have to listen to white people all the time, right? It's like our world, the vast majority of our world is changing for sure, but the media and everything, it's like a white person's perspective, like everything has been from a white person's perspective. And so when I get on stage in a mostly black crowd, I feel like without meaning to, it's me saying, all right, you have to listen to me and my opinions and my perspective and my stories for the next, you know, however many minutes, five to 10 minutes. And it, and it feels uncomfortable because it feels, I can feel the sort of <sighs> in the room, right? Like, yes, we know we have to listen to this all the time. And so what, what am I to do, right? I have to figure out a way to sort of reconcile this for myself. And I realized as well as that night went, 
when the host stole my teacup and the whole world was pandemonium and I made like a great set out of it. As as fun as that was, as good as it was, I felt a little off because I didn't feel like I left everybody in the best place. Right. And I know that that's that I'm not always going to have the whole room liking me. And I know that, you know, you can't expect everybody to pick up what you're putting down. Comedy is supposed to be edgy. I'm shining a light on the dark, ugly stuff. Right. And it's some people are not going to be comfortable with it no matter what, no matter how PC or, you know, um, available to it that I try to be. But I just thought, you know, I really can't avoid talking about race, for one thing, because then it's the elephant in the room. No one's listening to what I say because they're thinking, wow, what's this white girl doing here, right? Excuse me. So I have to come up with some way to manage it. And I have to, for myself, I have to deal with it in an, in some sort of evolved way. Like I, I'm, I'm figuring it out. That's all I'm saying. I'm figuring it out. I'm not perfect at it. I haven't got it down yet. I'm still going to do some things that offend people, but it is my intention and also my commitment because I know intention is kind of bullshit, right? But it's my commitment to try to figure out how to leave the room in a better place, how to leave people in a place of even if they don't like me, that they get the message, right? That they feel more connected to the human race as a whole, less divided, more connected. And that is what it means to be a light worker comedian, which is what I started hashtagging myself, hashtag light worker comedian. You know, I'm a light worker. I'm a healer. I'm an inspirational speaker. Like, I can't just drop that in my comedy. I've been trying to pretend like I'm just going to tell some dick jokes. Well, guess what, Holly Shaw? Guess what? It's not that fucking easy to let go of who you are and your role and your mission in the world, right? And as a white lady, I can't get up and just ignore this stuff, right? And as a light worker, I can't get up and just tell racist jokes either, like it, it needs to be in alignment. And um, so anyway, that was that was an intense sort of transpiring this week. Yeah. But what it led me to, um, you know, another thought, which is the host is important. The host creates that soup because I had another performance this week, which was an open mic in Oakland one of my favorite spots. It's like real close to my house. My friend Jeremy Worm Jones runs it. Um, He's funny as hell. And I think he does a great job hosting. Sometimes he goes on a little long. He gets a little little misogynistic for my taste. Um, But in his actions, he, you know, he's not been misogynistic to me, but on the mic, sometimes I'm like, all right, all right, all right. This is your male fantasy that you're having right now. You realize... Um, but what I like about it and what he does is he really positions each comedian individually. He keeps a really fun vibe going. He's alive in the room. And it's like, I realized when you're in that atmosphere, it's like when you're in a room, everyone is creating an atmospheric soup together, right? And everybody is throwing in their flavor And it's like, you can have the best jokes, but you go to a room 
and somebody threw in an old piece of meat <laughs> into the soup and it makes the whole soup kind of taste like shit. Everything sort of, you know, it permeates the room. It stinks up the room. And that's why I think it's so important to love up on your fellow comedians and be friendly and laugh if you think something's funny. You know, don't withhold yourself in a room. Be part of it all because the audience is part of that soup. The host really sets the tone for that soup. And then, you know, the comedians, all the comedians are just keep adding to it. And I had the best time at that open mic because uh, I got up and, and without really even meaning to, I just started answering and talking back to some of the comedians that had already been up, sort of referencing things that had already happened that night. And it was funny without me even meaning to necessarily be funny. Um, because it was alive and because I was talking to things that other people were feeling and sensing and, and, and thinking as well, because we were all in that soup together. So that's what I have to say, you know, being alive and present in the room, I feel like is a hundred million times more valuable than having the most clever jokes. This is my humble opinion that it's more important to be in the room, to be present, to add to the atmospheric soup. <sighs> yep. So that's the learning. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope secretly that you don't think I'm a big, terrible, racist white lady. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this all out. And, uh, yeah, it's it's intense and it's wonderful. And I, I'm having conversations that I've always avoided. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get into that conversation. I just want to be a, a quiet ally. But I don't want to talk about that because I might step on somebody's toes. Well, guess what? Now I have to talk about it. And I have to do it on stage in front of a lot of people. And that's that's really intense for me. But it's good. It's really good. All right. So reach out to me if you want to talk back to me. Reach out to me if you have something to say or if you have suggestions or if you're digging this or if you just want to say, hey, I want to be on your show. I would love to meet you. Reach out to me and keep listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. This is a special episode, special series called The Comedy Chronicles. But next week, we'll be coming back with um, Brianna, Brianna DeMara. We're going to be looking at her album release and the story of her journey as a musician through hardship and into Haven. So thank you for listening. My name is Holly Shaw. <laughs>